Welcome to New Beginnings today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Andy Henry, and I'm happy to have you. And uh, God is God is good. So I I have been uh, going through the Book of Judges, and so we're continuing through Judges today. Um, so if you may have noticed, there should be a card kind of like this either on the seat you sat in or near the seat you sat in. Oh, somebody's calling. You want to grab that real quick? Look at that. Maybe we should tell them it's starting. You, you're, get here, you know. Um, so if you have a note card and a pen, uh, we're going to use these note cards today. So if you, didn't have, if you didn't get one, maybe there's one near to you. And I know, Lonnie, there's a couple extra ones right there by you. So if you didn't, if you don't have one in your row, if you don't have enough, could you raise your hand and I'll make sure you get one. Anybody not have one? All right, so we're all good. Oh, a couple back there. All right, everybody have a note card? This is like participation day, so you made it on participation day. Lonnie, there's a couple up here that I think need a note card. All right, awesome. All right, thank you. Lonnie is awesome. Lonnie does amazing things here, and if there's not dirt on the floor, it's because Lonnie helped out too. Lonnie does everything amazing around here. If you want to see a servant of God, there he is right there. Amen. Amen. All right, what I want you to do with this note card today uh, is on one of the sides, I want you to write your job. Now, if you're retired, write the thing you do the most, whatever that might be. So don't write retired, but write, uh, I don't know, clean in the house, whatever you want to do. What's the thing you do the most often? What's your main goal for the day? But if you are, if you are working, what's your job? What's your job title, maybe description, write your job on there. You don't do anything? Well, write that down. Whatever God says to do, you do. All right. All right. So I wanted to ask, as you guys are writing that, have you ever been asked to do something you didn't really want to do? Anybody here? Yeah, probably all of us, right? Maybe uh, you didn't want to do it because it was not the kind of thing you wanted to do, or uh, maybe it was something that you felt like was too difficult, or maybe you were a little bit worried about doing it. Um, sometimes new things can be scary. All right, so does everybody write something down? Go ahead, put that to the side. We'll get back to that later, but I wanted to have you write that down first. All right, so Judges chapter 4. We're continuing, like I said, with Judges, and so we've, we've looked at the uh, first couple Judges, and now we're looking at Deborah in, in Judges chapter 4, and uh, Deborah is pretty awesome. If you're a person who thinks women can't do things, just read Deborah. She's pretty awesome. So everybody's awesome. So, Deb, uh, Judges chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Deborah, a prophetess, and the wife of Lipdoff, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. The Israelites came to her to have her uh, have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of that guy, from, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men from Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead the way to Mount Tabor, I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go, but if you do not go with me, I will not go. So Deborah said, very well, Deborah said, I will go with you, but because of the way you are going about this, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord 
will hand Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah went to Barak, went with Barak to Kadesh. So there's there's stuff going on here, right? And if you know the story of Deborah, you kind of know what's coming. Uh, so Barak is a is a interesting kind of uh, character, right? Person in, in the story. He he was the commander of Israel's army, right? The commander of God's army, and, and so he was supposed to be leading leading God's army. But he comes, and and so Deborah says, "Hey, God told me to tell you that you're going to win." This is what you've been waiting for, right? You're, you, you, you need to win, and God is with you. But he said, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm a little worried, right? He was a little scared what might happen, because what if it wasn't true? And so, so Deborah um, tells him that because that he was fearful and he decided that he didn't want to do this thing, that, that the, the glory or the winning of the battle would go to a woman. Now, you know, there's lots of different things and people have all their thoughts and whatnot. But I believe men and women are amazing and God wants to do amazing things through both men and women. Amen. Amen. So, uh, but at the time, this would have been a very, very disrespectful, very low thing. You know, he's, he's, he's supposed to be leading, and, and Deborah is kind of, um, she's the judge of Israel at the time. And, and so we see that there's this weird stuff going on, and she said, well, the glory or the, the victory will go to a woman. So he's like, all right, well, whatever. I guess it's fine because I don't want to do what you're telling me I'm supposed to do. So, sorry, my computer's not working very well. But anyway, all right, so it goes on to say in verse, um, verse 10. And so the, 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 the account of what happens goes on. It says, where, uh, where he summoned Zebulun, uh, Zebulun and Naphtali, 10,000 men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. Now, Habor the Kenite, had left the other Kenites. The descendants of Habor, or Horban, Moses' brother-in-law, and pitched his tent in the great, under the great tree of Zanaranimum, or however you want to say that, near Kadesh. While they, when they told Sisera, Sisera, so Sisera is the bad guy, right? Sisera is the bad guy. That Barak, son of Ad, um, that guy. There's a lot of people in this one, and it's not easy. So, uh, had gone to the Mount Tabor. Sisera gathered together 900 iron chariots, and all the men with him from that place on the Kishron River. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go! This is the day of the Lord. The day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor, Tabor followed by 10,000 men at Barak's advance. The Lord rooted Sisera and all the chariots and the army by the sword. And Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as the place they came from. All the troops of Sisera fell by the sword. No man was left. Sisera, however, fled on foot to a tent of Yael, the wife of Hebor, the Kenite, because there were friendly relations between Jabin, the king of Hazar, and the clan of Hebor, the Kenite. Yael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered the tent, and she put a cover on him. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him up. Standing in the doorway of the tent, he told her, If anyone comes, 
by and asks you, is anyone here? Say no. Right? He's got a good plan. He's hiding in this lady's tent. Real good plan. Verse 21. But Yael, Habor's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he was fast asleep, exhausted. She drove a tent peg through his temple into the ground and he died. There you go. Barak came by pursuing Sisera and Yael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went with her, and there lie Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, the Canaanite king, before Israel, and the hand of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, the Canaanite king, until they were destroyed. So, have you ever heard this story before? Yeah, do you like this story? So, I, I decided to bring some props today. So, um, you know, when we were talking about tent pegs, usually we're, we have small tents. Does anybody go camping here? We go camping sometimes. Or hunting, right? We stay in a tent. Well, the, the tent pegs that come with our tent are like this long, and they're these little tiny things. And I was thinking, like, there's no way, because when you hit it sometimes, if it hits a rock under there, it just bends. You're like, oh, man. you got to, like, pull it out and try to straighten it out. So I went to the store, and I found the biggest tent peg they had. Now, this is probably still smaller than the one that she had, if you think about it, because in, in Israel, it's a place uh, where it's a desert. So if you're in a desert, you try to put this into sand, do you think it's going to stay very well? Even though it's big, right? Here we've got clay, we've got rocks, gravel, and all kinds of stuff. You can have a tent peg like this, but there's a good chance that her tent peg would be even bigger than this. Now, so Yale was obviously the woman who the glory went to in defeating the, the commander of the army, even though uh, it still worked out that they still defeated all of the chariots. There was something more that happened, right? And so she used not a sword, but what she had. So it's very interesting, right? And so um, can I have a volunteer? Because I want to try something. <laughs> no? I'll, I'll, I have somebody pointing at somebody. Okay, good. All right. Do you want to be my volunteer? You do? All right, so what we're going to do, somebody, I need somebody, because what we're going to do is we're going to try this. I want to see how hard it would be to put this tent peg into that pumpkin. Now, obviously, pumpkin may not be as, as big as a head, but just for thought's sake. So, do you think she had muscles like yours? So do, do, do you think you could, you could put that in there? See, because we're thinking about this, right? So this guy's sleeping. Now, do you think it will... Do you think she did it in one hit or multiple hits? Multiple hits? Do you think you can only do it in one hit? Or how, how do you think that's going to work for you? All right, go ahead and give it a try. All right, are you ready? Oh, man. Woo. All right, so... <laughs> the, thank you. Thank you very much. So, so, <laughs> thank you. Give him a clap. All right, so, now a pumpkin is probably not as hard as someone's head, correct? Took you three tries to put it in there. And it actually said that she drove it into the ground. Now, a stump is going to be obviously harder than sand. But there was something going on with this lady. She really was determined to do something that needed to be done. So we're going to talk about the difference between Yael uh, and Barak. And so I, I want to look at these two people because um, obviously Deborah is the judge and she is the, the, the one who is the judge of this chapter. But she doesn't do too much besides what a lot of ministry leaders are supposed to do. And what God does, right? Her job was to tell the, 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 the commanding officer, Barak, to tell him, it's time. God has, God has done something. He is ready 
to free us from our captors. But he was afraid. So it's amazing, right? Because most of the judges, they do the thing to win victory over the problem, right? We looked at Shamgar uh, last week. And so Shamgar, if you don't know who he is, he was a guy who just killed 600 uh, Philistines by himself. That's it. You know, and he just freed the people. So Shamgar did it himself. Um, Ehud did it himself. But Deborah was just the voice of God. Which now sometimes is more impactful. And when we look at it in today's society, we need to remember that God is speaking and God is calling us to do something. I believe that that we all do something, right? I had you all write down your job. Now, can you flip that card over and write down what your job is as a believer in Christ? Now, there's no wrong answer, no right answer. Whatever you believe your job is as a believer of Christ, write that down. job as a believer in Christ. Now this obviously does not need to be the biggest theological answer you've ever thought of. First thing that pops to your mind. Okay, so now you have your job that you believe is your job here on earth, and then you have your job that you believe is your job according to your life in Christ. So, will you choose to be Barak or Yael in this situation? Because apparently I'm Deborah, just throwing that out there. So, this is what's happening. So, um, and you're... Yael, thank you. You know, so we're, we're both ladies, so I'm not the only one today. So there we go. Throughout Scripture, I've seen, and you've probably seen if you've read the Bible, that, that there is something happening, right? And so just like what uh, Deborah said to Barak is what other prophets have said to people, is what Jesus has said to people, and we see throughout a lot of Scripture and what it is, is this word, go, right? That's what she said. She said, go. She said, go. Deborah tells Barak, she tells him other things too, right? But she, if you boil it down, she is telling him to go. And I believe that is the number one word that, that God is calling all of us to do right now, all the time, is to go. In Isaiah 6, uh, verse 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Right? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? So God is, God is talking. He is looking for someone who will go and be sent because I believe that that is the most important thing, right? Because we're, we're talking about the flawed heroes. Deborah, in this account of Deborah, she does nothing wrong. But there's something missing. There was a flaw happening. Because she was saying, God says go. But Jesus also says to go. In Luke 10, verse 1 through 4, Jesus said, After this, the Lord appeared to the 77 others and sent them two by two uh, ahead of him. In every town and place where they, were going, where they were about to go, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go! I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Jesus told them, go, I'm sending you. Exactly the same thing 
that Deborah said to Barak. Go, God is sending you. You're being sent. And then in Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go, he meaning Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go, 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 go. Sometimes we get a little afraid, like Barak, right? Jesus said, I'm sending you like lambs or sheep into wolves. And it might be difficult, right? So you, you got to think about what, what's happening with Barak, right? And the amazing thing is he had 10,000 soldiers and uh, Sisera only had 900. But the difference between a soldier who's standing there with his sword and 900 guys on chariots, right? So sometimes we, we forget that. It can be very difficult and very scary to go when God is saying to go. We are being sent by God and we are doing something. But do we want to choose to be Barak or Yael? In the situation. Jesus again, after he rose from the dead in John 20, 19 through 23, on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together, the door was locked for fear. Barak was terrified. The disciples were terrified. Fear of the Jewish leaders just Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. When we're in the middle of a place of fear, Jesus says, peace be with you. We don't have to live in fear, even though sometimes the things that we're being asked to do by God may be difficult. He says, peace be with you. After this, he said to them, uh, he showed him, them his hands and his sides. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw Jesus. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So again, Jesus is saying the exact same thing that Deborah said to, to Barak. Why? Because sometimes when fear comes in, we are overwhelmed. And it may feel like something that, well, you know, I'm not afraid of that. Oh, you know, we, we can talk about fear all the time. But when in reality, if, if we're not doing something that God has called us to do, then we're deciding to choose fear and to live in fear and act like Barack and say, well, no, 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 you know what? I don't want to do it. Send someone else. That's really what he was saying when he said, you have to go with me. Be my safety blanket. Help me. And he breathed on them, verse 22, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit for you uh, forgive anyone's sins. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. We see that Jesus doing the exact same thing. He was with them, right? He was with the disciples and, and they were not afraid, right? We, we see that, that uh, when the... When the guards came and they were coming to take Jesus away, Peter was not afraid. He pulled out his little sword thing and he, he, he tried to get somebody and just, you know, chopped off his ear. But he did his best, right? <laughs> he was not a swordsman, so did his best. He was not afraid, but then after Jesus died, they were terrified and they were hiding in a locked room. Too often when we're not sure what the outcome is going to be because we're not sure what the outcome is going to be. But God says, peace be with you. So Jesus is, is, is saying this, that, that even when I'm not with you, right, I'm sending someone else. Receive the Holy Spirit. So, so God's Spirit is with us today. Jesus is not currently here today with us. He is with us in spirit. He is in heaven at the right hand of God ever interceding for all of us. But he is with us forevermore. And we don't have to live in fear because when he is the one on our team, we don't have to live in fear. 
I believe we also see, so, so right, we've talked about Barak, we've talked about Peter and 77, and just so you, you're not like, well, that was just, you know, just them. In Acts 20, 26, verse 16 through 18, uh, this is when the Apostle Paul is talking to the King Agrippa. So literally a king in Rome, the Apostle Paul is talking to him, talking about his conversion experience. He says, now get up and stand to your feet. I have appeared to you uh, to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. So this is Jesus talking to the Apostle Paul. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them. He says it again. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. And the power of Satan, from the power of Satan to God. So that you may receive forgiveness of sins and place a place among those who are sanctified by faith. Deborah's job was to speak to the people what God said. Deborah did her job. Barak didn't want to do his. Often we don't want to do our job. So on the side of the card that you wrote your job or the thing you do the most, you don't have to tell me what it is, but do you do that? So raise your hand if you don't do this side, ever. Oh, okay, good. I don't have to call anybody's boss. All right, right? You may have done it yesterday or a couple days ago, but you've probably done this multiple times in the past week, if not lots of times, maybe 40 hours worth, maybe 60 hours worth, whatever the job is. So flip over the card. Whatever you wrote on this side, your job as a believer in Christ, did you do that the past week? Have you done that the past month? Have you done that the past couple of years? Should I call somebody's boss? <clears throat> God, right? So it's interesting, our job and our job. Sometimes we're just like Barack and we say, you know what? Send someone else. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to do this. You go. You do it instead. You do it instead. And so we miss out on the opportunity to be a light in the darkness for someone at our workplace, at the store, wherever we might be. We miss out on something. Because God is giving us a great opportunity, a job, a calling, a, a purpose, a pursuit to do something amazing in the world today and tomorrow. And if it's your job, shouldn't it be all the time? As often as you have the opportunity, right? Now, some jobs are not every day. Like, like uh, Evan, you do weddings, right? You don't do a wedding. You don't do film a wedding every day. But there are great opportunities, right? And you seek out those opportunities. And when you find those opportunities, you do it the best you can. So I believe the job that God has given us is more like that. It's not an everyday thing. It may be an everyday thing, depending on what your situation is, but seek out the opportunities. And then when you find those opportunities, when God is saying, go, I am sending you today, do your best. That's all we can do. So I believe we can always choose to be Barak or Yael in life. Now, how do we not choose to be Barak? By becoming like her, right? Now, what did she do that was so amazing? Now, you might say, well, I don't know. She was just in the right place at the right time and had a, had a tent peg and I guess was lifting weights or something. And, you know, was good at hammering things. Well, you could say that, but... In reality, there's more going on here that you may have missed when we read it the first time. So the first thing that she did was that she was willing to be in the world, as they say, right? The Bible says, be in the world, but not of the world. And when we look at Jesus, what he was doing, he was often hanging out with the people who were 
not like him, right? The down, out, the down and out, the outcast, the, the, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the ones that everybody else wanted to ignore and pretend weren't around. But she was in the world. Now, how do I know that? Because in verse, 15, verse 17, it says, Caesarea, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Yael, the wife of Habor, the Canite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of Habor. Okay? There was an alliance between Yael's family and the enemy. Now, it's funny, you know, when you look at that, you could say, well, okay, so she was just living a bad life. She was not doing what she was supposed to be doing. But in reality, she was at the right place at the right time because she allowed herself and her husband to be up connected to people who needed their help, or in this case, needed to get rid of, right? But we're talking about spiritual matters now. Don't, you know, don't kill the pumpkins with people in reality. Right? We're talking about spiritual matters. Are there people in your life that you are connected to, that you have a relationship with, that you, that, you know, maybe it's at work and maybe, you know, you, right? They always say, don't hang out with trash. You'll start to stink like one. You start to stink like it. So I'm not saying that, that we need to be like best friends, best friends with somebody who is living the way we feel like is not right. But are we connected with them? Are we having... Are we building some kind of friendship so that when the time comes and God says, I am sending you to that person, you don't just walk up to them and be like, uh, well, I know we've never met, but Jesus loves you and you need to repent and love Jesus now. There. Right? There's a big difference between that, right, and somebody who I, I hang out with. I, hey, come over. We'll watch the football game. Hey, come over. We'll, you know... Our kids will play together or whatever, right? And there's a connection there that, that organically builds relationship. And when those times come of difficulty, of hardship, we can say, you know what? I know the answer. It's Jesus. Let me tell you about how he said, peace be with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. Not as your job gives. Not as the finances give. Not as your... your you know, significant other gives, not as your kids give, but the peace that I give passes all understanding. It's amazing because so often we try to, to, to be monks in this world and we just hide in our little monastery or this building, whatever you want to call it, and, and we're missing something. Yael was willing to be where the people are who needed something needed a change, right? Just like Jesus is criticized all the time by hanging out with those people. But God says, I am sending you like lambs or sheep into wolves. Now, it's so important, right? If, if you're a sheep or, or a helpless animal, right, and there's a wolf, you've got to be very careful because that wolf can easily devour. But I believe God is the one who strengthens us. When God is our, is our strength and our strong tower, even though we're in those situations, we will be filled with the Spirit. We will keep in step with the Spirit. We will be able to stand firm. I don't believe God is saying, I'll hide you. Don't worry, I'll hide you. Now, you, you may think, well, I've, I, I feel like I've heard of Bible verse about, about hiding in God, you know, and so, so you, you're right, actually. But here's the interesting thing about this verse, right? In Psalm 32, verse 7 and 8, it says, you are my hiding place, right? Talking about God, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Isn't that nice? Amen. Do you know what the next verse says? The next verse is not on a pillow or anything. The next verse says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Oh, no. I thought I was hiding in Jesus. He's sending you again. That is that word, go again. He's saying, yes, 
I have protected you. Why? Because I am your peace. I am your peace, but also I'm your peace, not just here, but I'm your peace way over here in this country, that country, this town, that town, in this house, that house, wherever you are, I am your peace. I'm not hiding you away from the world. You're in the world, and I'm protecting you while you're there. God wants to do something amazing. He will instruct us on the way we should go. So we must not try to hide from the world. We must be willing to be in the world, but not of the world. Rely on his spirit to to lead us and guide us. And the the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to be our foundation. And when we do that and we should all be growing and know that those foundations are there and not allow the the evil desires of everything else to influence us, right? Because there is a battle going on between what God has called us to do and sin. There's a big battle all the time. But God is the victor. Let's be on his team, (laughs) not join that one. Sometimes it's hard because we like to be like Barack and say, but, 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 but. It's difficult sometimes. But God is the victor. The second thing I find about Yael and how we can be more like her instead of Barak is to be generous and patient. Being generous and patient. And so it, it's interesting, right, because of what she does. Obviously, the, the, the cool part is, right, stabbing a guy through the head. That's the interesting part. But what she does is he says, I'm thirsty. Can you give me some water, right? And what does she do? Does she give him water? She gave him milk. It's interesting because water and milk are different, right? Water invigorates. Water gives new life. Water excites. Water builds up. But milk relaxes. She knew something that was going on. And I believe being generous, right? And that goes along with this idea of of being in the world but not of the world. Because when we're generous... And, and, and saying, hey, you know what? We can hang out. We can be friends. We, we can talk and stuff like that without, you know, joining the wrong team. We become generous. Showing people that we generous, we honestly care about people, not just, you need to join my club. Right? We actually care about people. When we're generous, she, she, was, she was taking into consideration, now obviously she had a different thing in mind. But she was thinking more of him and not just doing the bare minimum. Because often we do the bare minimum and we're like, well, I guess, you know, I work with this person, but I can't stand them because of X, Y, and Z. But I guess I'll be kind and nice to them and I'll, I'll interact with them as much as I have to. What if we're a little extra with people? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 40, If anyone wants to sue you, and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile carrying their stuff, go two. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Right. So Jesus is talking about this idea that sometimes we need to be extra generous to people. Because if we are extra generous to people, when we're extra kind to people, we can show them the love of Christ through our actions. Because sometimes words do wonders, and we should be. When God is saying, I'm sending you to say the words, then do it. But often he is saying, I am sending you to be a light. Maybe not speak light but be a light Jesus wants us to know that we shouldn't do the bare minimum when we do the bare minimum then isn't that what everybody else does that's not really showing God's goodness that's not really showing light to people that's just okay I guess I just have to do this I just have to be nice to you because God said so you know 
also be patient with people. Because often, if it's people in our families or friends or whoever, there's those people who, who may not be following God and we're, we just feel like, oh, it's been too long, they should know better by now. Or maybe they go to church, but we feel like they should know better by now. Being patient is so important because when people understand how much you care, that's about being patient. Because you can care a whole lot right now, but then in two weeks you don't care anymore, then what does that show them? It shows them you're fake. You don't really care. You're just putting on a show. Just putting on a show. We don't want to be people who just do that. We want to be people who genuinely care about other people, even when it's difficult. I believe that um, we can often swing back and forth, but we want to be like Isaiah, right? So I mentioned Isaiah 6, 8 earlier when, when God said, whom will go for us? Who shall I send? Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. When we do that, instead of saying, no, 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 right? Yael was just there. She was just living there. Barak said, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I, please don't make me go there alone. Help me. Here I am. Send me. Whatever that looks like. Whatever you wrote on here. Maybe God is calling you to do that tomorrow, this week. What is it that God is sending you to do? Because we don't want to miss that. When God has given us the city, we don't want to just stand here and say, well, he said he's going to have victory on the city, so he will. Sometimes he's calling us to go to the city. Can I have the worship team come up? It's so important that we really think about this idea, right? That, that we are the ones who, who get to be a part of great, God's great purpose. And it's kind of fun, you know, talking about the, the, the craziness that Yael did to, to win the battle. But in reality, what is it that God wants to do through you to win the battle? Because now... Because God is calling us to overcome the darkness with his great light. How can we stand for truth in a place of great darkness? So will you be Barak and hide in fear, hoping that somebody else will do your job? Even me. Barack was hoping that Deborah would do his job. Please come with me. Deborah's job was to instruct and say, go. God is saying, go. That's my job. You guys have different jobs. We all have different jobs. Or will you be like Jael and willing to pierce the darkness? and become the driving force of change in the community, in, those, in your workplace. Because I believe we are all called to do something amazing. Now, obviously, it's not drive a stake through somebody's head. Now, if you do that, I didn't tell you to do that. Now, don't ask. But God is calling us to drive a stake and make a claim through the darkness, through, through the people spiritually who are blinded, to the people who, who in our lives or, or our families who need help.
So I encourage you today as we, as we sing, if there's something that God is calling you to do, ask him how. Don't ask him to send someone else. Ask him how, because sometimes it's difficult, right? Deborah said, go, I am sending you. But she also told him how to win the battle. And God will help you if you're willing to hear how. Let me pray and then we're going to sing as we close. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, help us to be people who seek you, Lord God. We want to be on a mission. We want to be the on job for you every day, Lord God. Help us, Lord Jesus. Father God, we want to be in your army, Lord God. Help us to be like Yael and Deborah, these two amazing women who won the battle for you. Help us to be like them and, and show your goodness and your mercy and your love and, and, and be the leaders, Lord God, speaking for you, encouraging for you, and being where you need us to be, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we get to have peace when you're with us. Help us, Lord God, to not live in that fear, hoping someone else will do our job for us. Before I close been talking a lot about the job or the calling of Christians. If you have not come to Christ and you're, you're saying, well, that's interesting. Having a, a job, a calling, a purpose in life, but you've never made that commitment, I'd, I'd ask you to raise your hand. We can all pray together. If you'd like to pray with me to say, I want to be a part of that calling. Raise your hand and we'll pray together. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing. Ask, Lord God, that you encourage us as believers, as followers. Help us to seek you and to walk in step with your spirit every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.
situations where it feels like the darkness is reigning and the darkness is ruling, Lord God, you reign. Your kingdom lasts forever, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have the victory. And we worship you. Thank you that we get to honor you with everything that we have. We get to honor you with, with our lives. Lord Jesus, give us wisdom and understanding as we go through life. Thank you, Lord God. Lord Jesus, I ask that you bless the offering. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're, that you're multiplying it, that you're providing for the needs in this church, in this community, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, that you give us an opportunity, Lord God, to honor you and glorify you with what we have. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Greet each other as you.